Welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. It's me, Dr. Yuande, your host. And this episode is actually part two of the four-week series we're doing on what I wish more women knew about dot, dot, dot. Last week, we spoke about what I wish more, more, more women knew about success. And today, we are talking about what I wish more women knew about relationships. And so, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining in once again. Thank you for tuning in once again. I'm excited to share this week about relationships. And so, like I said in the intro, for the next couple of weeks, we are going to be talking more about what I wish more women knew about different things. Last week, we talked about success. So after this episode, if you haven't heard that one, definitely go back and listen to it because it was a good one. But this week, we're talking about relationships. When I say relationships, the things I'm going to share are actually going to apply to all different types of relationships. So whether it's romantic relationships, friendships, professional, all different types of relationships. So like I did in last week's episode, I'm going to be sharing three of the top things that I wish that more women knew about relationships. And by the way, it's not just women, okay? These are things that all of us, I feel, will benefit from, but because the population that I see is primarily women. I'm talking as if I am talking to a friend and someone who I can connect with because I've been in your shoes as well too. So the first thing is don't take things personal, even if they feel personal. Now, this is one that I really had to work on over the past several years. So one thing that's really helped me and one thing that I encourage you to do is to try and put yourself in the other person's shoes if you can. I know that there are some situations where it's really hard to step out of the headspace that you're in and try to empathize. But oftentimes, if you're able to get into the point where you can put yourself in the other person's shoes that is saying things or doing things that you're taking personal, it really helps you not to take it personal. So sometimes when people are short or curt, Um, sometimes when people snap or are irritable towards you, it may be that they've had a bad day or they haven't gotten enough sleep. It's really interesting that as parents, we're very good at doing this with our kids, right? When they are whiny or throwing tantrums and we look at the clock and it's past their dinner time or past their bedtime, we're like, oh, okay, we don't have to get upset about this because they're just tired or they're just hungry or they're just in pain or whatever the situation might be. 
The truth is we have to extend the same level of understanding to others around us too. Um, whether it's colleagues, whether it's people that we live with. Sometimes our colleagues might be short and curt with us because they are having challenges at home with their children. Sometimes friends might not respond to your messages right away or even at all because they might be going through a depressive state. So one question that I want you to keep in mind, not just with relationships, but in general, is asking yourself, what else could be going on here? What else could explain this person's behavior that is completely outside of myself? This is not always an easy thing to do, but that's the thing about exercise. The more you practice, the more you get better at it. We often jump to conclusions and make situations about us that really aren't about us. They're more about the other person and what they're going through. I remember hearing a quote about a year ago, and I believe it originates from one of the religious texts or religious teachings. It says, if a friend among your friends errs, make 70 excuses for them. If your hearts are unable to do so, then know that the shortcoming is in your own selves. And again, not to take this out of context, of course, it's important to hold people accountable for their actions, but because many times we often tend to take things we often tend to take things personal and jump to conclusions and make up assumptions and stories about a certain situation. Try to take a pause. Try and stop to ask yourself, what else could be going on here? Is there a different perspective that I'm missing? This pause can cause such a powerful release of tension. And even though, yes, of course, you will still have the feelings of hurt and disappointment by the mistake or the error in behavior, you are much less likely to react on impulse and much more likely to respond thoughtfully. One of the examples I give in my practice is, say you're walking down the street and someone you know who also knows you and you make eye contact and give the person a smile, but they don't smile back. Many of us will take that personal. Many of us will jump to the conclusion of, oh, they don't want to be seen around me. They're, they think they're too good for me. They, whatever that might be, right? They're such a snob. They're this, they're that, and the other. Many of us might jump to that conclusion. But going back to this practice, this exercise that I'm encouraging you to adopt, in that situation, ask yourself, what else could be going on here? Is there a perspective that I'm missing? Is there something else outside of me that could explain this person's behavior? And many times when I bring it down to that level for the patients in my practice, some of them might say, oh, maybe they didn't see me. Maybe they don't have their glasses on. I remember my dad telling stories before he realized he needed glasses where he couldn't recognize people's faces and people just thought that he wasn't <laughs> a nice person, but he just needed glasses. So maybe they don't have their glasses on. Maybe they're distracted. Maybe they just received some bad news and they're highly distracted, right? So instead of jumping to the conclusion, taking it personal, I encourage you, ask yourself that question. What else could be going on here? Now, the second thing I wish that more women knew about relationships is that communication is an art and a science. 
And unfortunately, unlike art and science, communication isn't necessarily taught in school. All of us as humans, we want to be heard and we want to be valued. Other people too want to be heard and valued, but I want to remind you that nobody can read your mind. (laughs) Nobody can read your mind and sometimes people need to be reminded and trained around what your needs are and what your boundaries are in the relationship. People come with their own assumptions and if you're not clear about what you want and what you need, it's very hard for you to assume that they should have known or they should know how to talk to you, they should know how to treat you, especially if you haven't communicated that. And the thing about communicating is that, like I say, there is a science behind it. There's an art to it. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And although we may have evolved intellectually, there's still that primordial part of us that responds in pretty predictable ways to basic emotions like fear or sadness or expressions of joy. All that to say that when we communicate in a way that makes the other person feel they're being attacked by your words, by your body language, by your tone, don't be surprised if their response is defensive, right? We're talking about fight or flight here. When they feel like they're being attacked, they're going to defend themselves. That's just basic, primordial, human, not just human, but behavior in general. Looking at any kind of animal, we that that is just basic, base, a basic response to feeling like you're being attacked is you're going to try and defend yourself. Either people try to defend themselves by going on, escalating the conversation, or they might actually go into the flight or freeze response, which might look like ending the conversation abruptly. It might look like staring off into space as you're trying to talk to them or withdrawing or walking away, right? So when you come into a conversation and it causes the other person to feel like they're being attacked, they're going to go into the defensive and that's either going to look like them escalating or trying to make jabs back at you. They're not hearing you. They're just trying to fight back or they'll withdraw, end the conversation and or just tune you out, which I don't even know which one's worse. They're, they're not, they're not, neither of that is good. All that to say that it's important for us to get really good at communicating in a way that is effective Um, in a way that minimizes the other person getting defensive and in a way that your needs are heard. They may not necessarily agree with you, but the point is that you've communicated effectively while doing your best to prevent the situation from getting worse. And the third and final point that I want to make that I wish more women knew about relationships is intimacy. Intimacy is critically important in fostering lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, even in non-romantic ones. And before I go any further, I want to emphasize that there are several different types of intimacy and physical intimacy, in my opinion, is probably the least important one. It's very important, don't get me wrong, but in my opinion, it's the least important one in the context of everything else. There are other types of intimacy, such as financial intimacy, emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, right? So physical intimacy is just one type, okay? So what is intimacy? 
Intimacy is a sense of closeness, a sense of connectedness. It comes from a place of feeling safe enough to be open with each other. It comes from a mutual willingness to be vulnerable and to be authentic, to be your real self, your true self. In a relationship, it is possible that you can be intimate in one way or some ways while you're not intimate in others. So for example, you can be intellectually intimate with a colleague, with a classmate, and you might feel close with them based on conversations that you have that are intellectually stimulating, but you are not necessarily financially intimate with them. They're just a colleague. They're just a peer. Or you can be emotionally intimate with friends, but not physically intimate. You see what I mean? That you can have different types of intimacy in relationships. You can have some, but not all. Now, although this concept of intimacy, like I said before, applies to all types of relationships, I'll use the example of romantic relationships because I see it a lot in the women that I work with who are single and wanting to enter into a relationship. They tell me a lot about their challenges with dating, especially in the current culture, the online world, and all of those things. It kind of sets the stage for physical intimacy being put ahead of all the other forms. Inevitably, my patients will end up saying <laughs> sometime during our sessions that, you know what, like maybe I should just date someone who I'm already friends with. At least they know my quirks and they know the real me. And at that point, I am raising my hands and saying, yes, 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 yes. Relationships birthed from friendships are often the best ones because your friendship is based on other forms of intimacy like spiritual and emotional intellectual ahead of the physical and although i'm not a couples counselor i would suggest that if you are having trouble with physical physical intimacy in your marriage try working on intellectual intimacy so try reading a book and discussing it together try taking a class together or maybe work on your emotional intimacy so asking each other questions that go beyond just the surface level. Questions like, what are you most proud of? Or what are your deepest fears? One tool that has been a lot of fun for me and my husband to use personally is called We Are Not Really Strangers. It's a box of cards which you pull out that has questions that you can ask each other. And it was actually recommended to me by one of my clients. She had used the cards in her friendships and that interestingly fostered some closeness and intimacy with her friends that way. Of course, there are a lot more things that we could all learn when it comes to relationships, but these are the ones that seem to bring the biggest shifts in my practice. And so I thought I would share them with you as well. And so to end this episode with a quote by British author and philosopher Alain de Botton, it says, intimacy is the capacity to be rather weird with someone and finding that that's okay with them. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, remember I'm here always fiercely advocating for your happiness. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuan Day, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. 
and visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time. Thank you.